If you're shopping while working, eating, or even listening to this podcast, then you know and love the thrill of the hunt. But are you getting the thrill of the best deals? Rakuten shoppers do. They get the brands they love with the most savings and cash back. And you can get it too. Start getting cash back at your favorite stores like Urban Outfitters, Sephora, and Nike. And even stack sales on top of cash back. It's easy to use and you get your cash back through PayPal or check. The idea is simple. Stores pay Rakuten for sending them shoppers. And Rakuten shares the money with you as cash back. Download the free Rakuten app and never miss a deal. Or go to Rakuten.com to start getting the most bang for your buck. That's R-A-K-U-T-E-N. Breaking news. Deadly mass shooting at a grocery store in western Tennessee. The unfolding situation tonight as police describe the scene as horrific. At least a dozen people seriously injured at a supermarket outside of Memphis. What we are learning about the victims, the shooter, and where employees were hiding. I'm still worried about my co-worker that got shot in the head. I'm still worried about him. Pfizer booster shots. The final step before the CDC gives the go-ahead for tens of millions of Americans to get a third dose. Growing humanitarian crisis with tens of thousands of Haitian migrants fleeing towards the U.S. Our interview with the Secretary of Homeland Security about the southern border. Arrest warrant issued. The breaking news in the case of Gabby Petito. Unfriendly skies. Horror stories from flight attendants about the surge of out-of-control passengers during the pandemic. Safety warning for parents. Millions of baby pillows now being recalled the danger they could pose to your child. Shut down politics with the deadline looming, the concern about what the government running out of funding could mean for the pandemic and the economy. And taking the stage, at-risk teens finding their voice and the way to a better future. This is the CBS Evening News with Nora O'Donnell, reporting from the nation's capital. Good evening, and thank you for joining us. I'm Margaret Brennan, in for Nora tonight. We begin with breaking news from a suburb of Memphis, Tennessee, where yet another American community is shaken tonight by a deadly mass shooting at a neighborhood grocery store. A gunman, for reasons not yet determined, started shooting inside a Kroger store in Collierville. At least a dozen victims were wounded and one has died. The gunman is deceased, possibly after taking his own life. There have been more than 500 mass shootings in the U.S. this year, claiming the lives of more than 500 Americans and wounding more than 2,000. CBS's Jeff Pegues has been speaking with his law enforcement contacts, and he leads our coverage tonight. Good evening to you, Jeff. Margaret, gunshots rang out inside that Kroger store starting at about 1.30 this afternoon, and it did not take long for police to show up on scene. It was within four minutes. They were heavily armed, and what they saw inside was gruesome. Multiple victims after yet another mass shooting. It's going to be an active shooter at Kroger. Heavily armed police from multiple agencies answered the call. Inside, they found the wounded and began to clear the chaotic scene. There were numerous employees that were working. I know we found people hiding in freezers and in locked offices. And, uh, you know, they were doing what they had been trained to do, run high five. Employee Brignetta Dickerson works the cash register and saw the shooter when he opened fire. I closed the door to the, to the area and we all ducked. 
and that's when the guy came out there with the gun. And one of my coworkers got shot in the head, and a customer got shot in the stomach and in the arm. Authorities say one person was killed and more than a dozen people wounded. Ambulances rushed the victims to nearby hospitals, some with serious injuries. Uh, and our thoughts and prayers are with those family members. Police locked down the area, including a nearby school. The shooter was dead when he was found in the back of the store with an apparent self-inflicted gunshot wound. This is the second mass shooting at a supermarket this year. In March, 10 people, including a police officer, were killed after a lone gunman opened fire inside King's Superstore in Boulder, Colorado. I've been involved in this for 34 years and I've never seen anything like it. Law enforcement sources tell us that investigators are looking into whether this was a case of workplace violence and whether the suspect, who is now deceased, was a disgruntled employee. Ironically, the fire and police personnel who showed up on this scene today have just completed active shooter training. Margaret. Frightening. Thank you, Jeff. Turning now to the COVID pandemic, the Pfizer booster shot is getting one step closer to a green light from the CDC for Americans 65 and older and younger people who are at higher risk of severe infection. Late today, another key panel recommended a third dose. CBS's Omar Villafranca reports. The motion passes. Tonight, a CDC advisory panel cleared the way for a booster shot of the Pfizer vaccine for tens of millions of Americans once they're six months past their second dose. The CDC still needs to sign off before boosters can officially be administered. Um, And the eyes have it, and I believe this recommendation is adopted. Under today's new guidelines, the booster is available to Pfizer recipients who have been fully vaccinated for at least six months, are 65 or over, or 18 through 64-year-olds at high risk of getting severe COVID. Those include individuals who are overweight or obese, those with diabetes or pregnant women. The most common side effects from the third dose are similar to those from previous doses. Is there enough evidence that this third booster shot from Pfizer is safe? Well, most of the information we have from the third booster is is from Israel, where this practice has been underway um, for uh, a number of weeks. And so far during that time frame, yes, it seems to be. Dr. Peter Hotez is uh, with the Baylor College of Medicine. Uh, it's really important uh, not to go rogue and to do this um, uh, with uh, with the recommendations of both the Food and Drug Administration and the Centers for Disease Control. But I think it's very important to get that third immunization uh, after uh, a six to eight month period because we are seeing a lot of breakthrough infections, breakthrough hospitalizations. The Texas State Fair starts tomorrow, an event that attracted more than two million visitors pre-COVID. Well, this year by the Midway, you can get a corn dog and the Pfizer booster shot. A decision on J&J and Moderna booster shots is expected soon. Margaret. Thank you, Omar. Breaking tonight, a federal arrest warrant has been issued for Brian Laundrie, the fiancé of Gabby Petito, that 22-year-old whose body was found last weekend. Laundrie hasn't been seen in more than a week. CBS's Jerika Duncan is covering the search in Florida. Good evening, Jerika. Good evening to you, Margaret. Brian Laundrie is no longer considered a person of interest, but as you mentioned, he's now considered a suspect while he is someone that police still are searching for. But he's connected to what they say are alleged crimes committed around the same time as Gabby Petito's death. 
Tonight, the U.S. District Court of Wyoming has issued a federal arrest warrant for Brian Laundrie, wanted for activities following the death of fiancé Gabby Petito. The warrant alleges he used an unauthorized bank card around the time of Gabby's disappearance. Meanwhile, police in Moab, Utah, are launching a formal investigation into how their department handled a 911 call involving a possible domestic dispute between Laundrie and Petito. Officers are seen in this body cam video responding to the incident on August 12th. Petito was treated as the aggressor and no one was charged with the crime. And tonight we're learning of one of the final sightings of the couple while together in Wyoming. We saw, not only saw, but saw like a blowout of a situation. Nina Angelo says she was dining at Mary Piglet's restaurant in Jackson Hole on August 27th. When Laundry started arguing with the hostess, Petito was visibly upset. She was hysterically crying and she walked out and she she was crying and she was staying on the sidewalk. The restaurant confirmed Laundry and Petito dined there. The week-long manhunt to find Laundry continued today with 75 personnel from 16 different agencies. Still no sign of him in the 40 square mile reserve. And just moments ago, Laundrie's family's attorney released a statement that reads in part, Margaret, Laundrie is related to activities occurring after the death of Gabby Petito and not related to her actual demise. A developing story. Thank you, Jerika. And Saturday night, 48 Hours investigates the death of Gabby Petito and the hunt for Brian Laundrie. That's at 10 p.m. Eastern, 9 Central, right here on CBS. Tonight, millions of people in the rain-soaked northeast are getting even more torrential rains and thunderstorms. About three inches swamped the Philadelphia area today, making some roads impassable. The strong, slow-moving system could cause flooding overnight from New Jersey to New England. There were at least 50 flood-related deaths in the northeast earlier this month. Now to the humanitarian crisis on the southern border. The Biden administration's top diplomat to Haiti resigned in protest over what he calls the inhumane deportation of more than 1,400 Haitian migrants, mostly women and children, back to their poverty-stricken country. The U.S. is expelling them without a chance to seek asylum. CBS's Manuel Bajorquez continues his reporting from the border. After just two months on the job, U.S. Special Envoy to Haiti Daniel Foote has resigned. In a scathing letter, Foote wrote he will not be associated with the United States' inhumane, counterproductive decision to deport thousands of Haitian refugees. So far, at least 1,400 migrants have been deported to Haiti. The United Nations Children's Fund says two out of three people expelled so far are women and children. Also today, the Department of Homeland Security announced it has temporarily suspended the use of horse patrols in Del Rio after images of aggressive tactics sparked outrage. This is why your country... Criticism of the Biden administration's handling of the crisis is coming from his own party. What the hell are we doing here? What we witness takes us back hundreds of years. We spoke tonight with Department of Homeland Security Secretary Alejandro Mayorkas. So for critics who say the administration is sending mixed messages, is there a clear message? There is certainly a clear message. It is do not take the perilous journey. The border is not open. We have seen ourselves busloads of asylum seekers who are allowed to enter the country and continue on in the process. Is that incentivizing others to come to the border? Uh, Many, the great majority of individuals 
who cross irregularly our southern border are being expelled. Uh, if a family is suffering an acute vulnerability, we do recognize that and we do address that by allowing them in. Just over 3,000 migrants remain at the encampment today. From here, you can see that they've used pretty much anything they could find to create this encampment, including bamboo from the riverbanks, plastic tarps, and blankets. There's concern the situation may not be quickly resolved. There's uh, at least another 30,000 Haitians in Mexico right now. There are folks that are getting the impression that this border is going to be open. So far, the Department of Homeland Security has declined to state exactly how many migrants of the roughly 15,000 that assembled here in Del Rio, Texas, have been allowed to enter the United States while their asylum cases are being decided. Margaret? Many Bajorcas at the border. Thank you. Flight attendants testified on Capitol Hill today and shared horror stories about the surge in unruly passengers during this pandemic. Now the attendants are asking Congress to protect them. Here's CBS's Errol Barnett. Unruly behavior in the air and abuse of flight attendants took center stage on Capitol Hill today. I've lost count the times I've been insulted or threatened on a flight simply for doing my job. With nearly 4,400 reported incidents this year alone, lawmakers are calling for more strict penalties to curb the increasingly bad and occasionally violent behavior. Flight attendants, gate agents, and other airline employees have the right to go to work uh, without the fear of being harassed, intimidated, abused, uh, or assaulted, period. The FAA has a zero-tolerance policy for unruly behavior, imposing more than $1 million in fines. But Administrator Steve Dixon said the incidents are still too frequent. We're still a good two to three times uh, above where we need to be. One possible solution under consideration is further limiting alcohol-to-go sales in airports. I was getting a beer and some guy asked for like three shots of vodka in a to-go cup. The Flight Attendants Association said unruly passengers must be criminally prosecuted, not just fined. Now, what do we need? We need DOJ criminal charges and enforcement. Make the FAA zero tolerance policy permanent. Teddy Andrews, who testified today, gave us an example of the kind of abuse he now receives. I said, sir, can you please put your mask on? And he looked up at me and said, N-word, I don't have to do a damn thing. Now consider this, as the hearing ended, another incident took place, and we have video. Take a look at this. A 32-year-old passenger on Hawaiian Airlines was arrested after the airline says they punched a flight attendant unprovoked. The plane and all passengers had to return to Honolulu, Margaret, after that incident. Errol Barnett, thank you. Well, tonight the clock is ticking for Congress to meet two crucial deadlines to avoid both a government shutdown and a default on payments, fueling the threat, infighting within the Democratic Party and partisan brinksmanship. CBS's Nicole Killian reports. Tonight, the federal government in limbo, one week before funding is due to run out. A shutdown is inconceivable, abhorrent, repugnant. The White House officially put federal agencies on notice today, warning it is preparing for any contingency. The 2019 shutdown lasted 35 days and cost the economy $11 billion. But a shutdown now during a pandemic could impact the CDC and NIH. We'll keep government open. 
Congressional Democrats and Republicans remain deadlocked over the spending measure, which includes aid for Hurricane Ida and Afghan refugees. But the real disagreement is over a provision to suspend the debt limit so the government can keep paying its bills, which so far Republicans are refusing to do. Is there anything that can change your mind? I'm not going to increase a debt limit to to spend another $5 trillion in the next month. U.S. officials say failure to act could risk catastrophic damage to the economy. A default could wipe out nearly 6 million jobs. Can you count them? Jody Lamberti, who runs a daycare out of her home, hopes hers isn't one of them. It could mean losing my business. It could mean losing my home, losing my car. The Senate is expected to vote on the government funding bill in the coming days, but there's not a lot of hope it'll pass given the current divide, which doesn't leave Congress much time to find a fix. Margaret? Clock is indeed ticking. Thank you, Nicole. This episode is brought to you in part by Audible, your go-to destination for thrilling audio entertainment. Whether you're looking for a hair-raising experience to enjoy while you're on the move or eager to dive into sinister and shocking tales, Audible has an exclusive collection of thrillers from best-selling authors that will keep you on the edge of your seat. Like The Guest List by Lucy Foley. Experience stories like never before, where every chilling detail is brought to life by captivating sound design. Plus, as an Audible member, choose one title a month to make yours forever. And now, new members can try Audible free for 30 days. Just visit audible.com slash WonderyPod or text WonderyPod to 500-500. That's audible.com slash WonderyPod or text WonderyPod to 500-500. Tonight, a warning for the parents of infants to stop using a popular infant pillow. More than 3 million baby loungers are being recalled after Eight infants died from suffocation linked to them. The pillows are made by the Boppy Company, and the deaths occurred between 2015 and 2020. Britain's Prince Harry and wife Meghan Markle were on top of the Big Apple today. The Duke and Duchess of Sussex visited the observatory at New York's One World Trade Center, more than 1,200 feet up. They also paid a somber visit to the September 11th memorial. The royal couple is in New York for a weekend event addressing climate change and poverty. Tonight, Hollywood is paying tribute to actor and filmmaker Melvin Van Peebles, who died Tuesday. He's being remembered as the godfather of modern black cinema. His work gave rise to the wave of so-called exploitation movies in the 1970s. Melvin Van Peebles was 89 years old. Tonight, we're opening the curtain on a program that's giving emerging artists and at-risk teens a stage where they can find their voice and empowerment. Here's CBS's Carter Evans. Welcome to Amazing Grace Conservatory. Walking through the front door of this former speakeasy, the voices are clear. 13-year-old Nyjah says singing makes her feel bold. It gives me a chance to express my emotions in like a different way than talking because for me sometimes talking about what I really feel can be hard. I think the greatest thing you can give to a child is a platform for them to have their voice. Actress Wendy Raquel Robinson grew up in South L.A. and says discovering the arts at a young age changed her life. Did you have friends that were in gangs? Yeah, there were gangs. In my high school yearbook, there were 10 pages that were dedicated to lives that had been 
dawn by drive-by shootings. She co-founded Amazing Grace Conservatory to give other at-risk youth a stage. It's not about just acting, singing, and dancing. You know, it's about those life skills. More than 7,000 students have performed here, including 12-year-old Braylon, who says improv classes help him face uncertainties. In life, you... You don't really have a script to live based off of. Think on your feet. Yes. Big steps toward a bright future. We are resilient. Carter Evans, CBS News, Los Angeles. On tomorrow's CBS Evening News, Steve Hartman's on the road with volunteers cooking up Cajun meals for crews still working hard to restore power in Louisiana weeks after Hurricane Ida. If you can't watch live, don't forget to set your DVR so you can watch us later. And that's tonight's CBS Evening News. Nora will be back tomorrow, and I'll see you Sunday on Face the Nation. Good night. In the 1980s, Frank Farian was riding high as a successful German music producer, but he was bored. German pop was formulaic, dull, and oh so white. Frank had bigger dreams, American dreams. He wanted to create the kind of music that would rival larger-than-life artists like Michael Jackson or Run DMC. So he assembled a hip-hop duo, two once-in-a-lifetime talents who were charismatic, full of sex appeal, and phenomenal dancers. The only problem? One very important element was missing, but Frank knew just how to fix that. Wondery's new podcast, Blame It on the Fame, dives into one of pop music's biggest controversies. Millie Vanilli set the world on fire, but when their adoring fans learned about the infamous lip syncing, their downfall was swift and brutal. With exclusive interviews from frontman Fab Morvan and his producers Frank Varian and Ingrid Segui, this podcast takes a fresh look at the exploitation of two young Black artists. Follow Blame It on the Fame wherever you get your podcasts. You can listen to Blame It on the Fame early and ad-free by joining Wondery Plus.